Hey there, this is Story Story Late Night, the positively shameless black sheep of the Story Story Night family, where you hear bleep-worthy stories on an unblushing theme. I'm artistic director Jody Eichelberger. It's a mad, mad world with a summer of themes inspired by Alice in Wonderland. Tonight, we nip our summer season in the bud with stories on the theme, Painting the Roses Red. Recorded live at the Visual Arts Collective in Garden City, Idaho, with featured storytellers Lauren Malink and Noi Tanau, hosted by Jessica Holmes. Follow the White Rabbit, it's story time. Lauren Malink! Um, so, uh, several years ago, my boyfriend and I decided to leave our jobs to get famous on YouTube. Um, and, uh, we, uh, we, we didn't, we, by leave our jobs, I mean leave. We actually, uh, we didn't put in our two weeks or quit our jobs. We just didn't show up to work. <laughs> um, but it was fine because we had a plan, a really good plan, and that was that we were going to road trip the country and document everything with our cell phones. Um, we were going to get famous on YouTube uh, by doing that. And, uh, and we had a lot of confidence about this trip. We had so much confidence, we figured we would go viral in the United States and then we'd take our show abroad. Uh, so we actually booked tickets to Dubai, uh, half price tickets to Dubai. Once we went viral in the United States, we'd go international. We had a lot of confidence. Um, so you see a lot of camper vans these days. Uh, we did not have a camper van. We had a 1989 Toyota Camry station wagon with automatic seat belts. Um, so we, we removed the back seat and we installed a bed and we put a roof box on top and then we plastered the car with um, outdoor gear company stickers, you know, in case we could get sponsored. Uh, we also filled the car with cliff bars and kind bars so that we could get sponsored. And uh, we hit the road. We, we, um, we leave uh, Portland, Oregon, the city of roses, and we head east. And one of our first stops is Sandpoint, Idaho. And I love Sandpoint. I think it's fantastic. I suggest let's just stay in Sandpoint. Let's just get <laughs> jobs in Sandpoint. And, uh, and we don't because the title of our newly created YouTube channel is Stories from the Road. So we need to get it on the road. Um, so uh, we are assigned roles on our channel. My boyfriend assigns the roles. Uh, he, he appoints himself to be the producer, director, videographer, editor, camera person, voiceover actor, lead actor, and star of the channel while I play the trusty sidekick. Um, and so, uh, so we head out. We, uh, and, and, and so, so being of the millennial generation, we mostly just tell stories about ourselves. We set up the camera in the car and it's facing ourselves and we, we explain to our viewers what life is like living in a car. Um, we make a video explaining what to do if you need to bathe when you live in a car in lakes. We make a video explaining um, how to entertain yourselves when you live in a car. Uh, by singing. We make a video explaining what you do, do when you need to get out and stretch your legs and you get out and you stretch your legs. Um, we let our viewers know that we are adventurers. We are the type of people that sleep in the station wagon under the stars at night and wake up at the crack of dawn to hit the trails in the morning. And we do that. We show that. We, we make a video about Yellowstone 
and uh, we, we trail run and hike through the park and we swim in the lakes and we uh, talk about the geysers and the geology and climate of, of Yellowstone. It's great. And we make a video about Wyoming. We go to Jackson and we showcase the countryside of Wyoming. And um, we, uh, we run out of gas, but my boyfriend assures our viewers that the gas gauge is broken. It's an old car. It's fine. We're still looking for that viral video. It hasn't happened. Uh, so a few weeks into the trip, we make a video that's titled um, One Problem After Another, But Still a Great Day. And in this video, we're really showing our viewers that we're the kind of people that when life gives you, gives you lemons, we make lemonade. We have uh, car trouble. Um, we're in a parking lot in Pennsylvania, and we're fixing the car. But we're having a blast. We're having a great time. I'm pretending to work on the car. We use a potato underneath the tire to stop it from rolling away. And it's very fun. It's a wonderful time. And uh, so uh, it's, it's starting to get exciting. You know, like I, we post a video and our parents would immediately call us to tell us how much they love it. And our, uh, our friends, they, they like it too. At least they say they do. So uh, we're watching our views just rack up. And I'll admit I had my doubts about this from the start. My boyfriend on the hand, other hand never did. He was very confident in it. And so I keep my doubts to myself. So much so that I start to wonder if like, maybe this could work. Like, maybe we will get famous or we will get picked up for a pilot TV show or we could be on Ellen. And, um, and there's a moment where I think it's all coming together. We, we, um, there's a, a company called AccuWeather. It's a weather company. They decide they want one of our videos on their website. So we're thrilled. We still haven't had the viral video, but this is it. We are, we are about to become superstars. And um, it doesn't quite take off like we had planned. Um, and, uh, and because of that, because we have no advertisers and, and no one's paying attention to our eating the cliff bars on camera, um, we, uh, we need to make some money. We have no money. We're running out of money. So my boyfriend decides the perfect solution for us. We will drive to Tennessee to sell corn dogs at music festivals and make some money. It's perfect, really. Like, what better way to transition our YouTube channel from on-the-road entertainment to carnival entertainment? <laughs> so... Uh, we, uh, we do, we become carnies, and we think, you know, this actually could be it. This is, we, this is where we're going to go viral, like two 20-somethings uh, becoming carnies. Um, and so we make some fantastic videos about making corn dogs. We're wearing tie-dye aprons, and we're smiling, and we're mingling with the other carnies, and we're dipping the corn dogs and the batter and the oil and serving them. And it's all very fun. Uh, but uh, think about this is this is hard work making a YouTube channel is not as rosy as you think it's going to be and um, uh, You know when we're making the corn dogs we're working 17 hours a day And uh, it's not very fun to make a YouTube video uh, when you smell like a corn dog and uh, when we're on the road we um, We go through two laptops and lose a microphone in National Park And it's tough to find Wi-Fi to post our videos when you're in rural Nebraska and it's tough on our relationship as well especially considering, considering the roles that we've been assigned. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I want to become famous. I want to become a famous YouTuber. I do, and I'm telling everyone what we're doing. And I think I've convinced my parents that I'm on a real television show and I'm making real money. Um, but the, the thing is, I'm kind of embarrassed by it all. Uh, because beneath the varnish, beneath the red paint of our YouTube channel, I know the truth. And the truth is, our videos are not that good. Our relationship is not that strong. We're not having that much fun. And I'm just waiting for it to be over. The video we made about Yellowstone doesn't mention 
that we both got terribly sick and had to spend $280 to pay for a hotel because we couldn't bear to sleep in the car another night. And the video about Wyoming, when we run out of gas, my boyfriend looks at the camera and says, apparently the gas gauge stopped working. I'm on camera too, and you can see in my face there's this weird grimace thing happening because I know the truth, and the truth is the gas gauge works just fine. He just wasn't paying attention. Um, and uh, in that same video, he say, okay, we had, to, we had to sleep in the car on the side of the road. And um, it doesn't mention that I didn't sleep. I lay awake trying uh, to get enough service to text my sister to ask her to Google statistics on semi-trucks running into the back of parked cars on the side of the road. <laughs> um, and in our video about, about having car trouble in Pennsylvania, we don't mention that I refuse to drive our car because when you press the brake pedal, the car shook so violently, it terrified me. And in our videos about making the corn dogs that are so pretty, um, <laughs> don't mention that aside from making our videos in the 17 hours we were working together, we weren't really speaking. So, uh, so festival season starts to slow down, the weather's getting colder, and you would think our story would as well. We still have not gone viral. And, uh, but no, we, we decided we'll get back in the car again. We have a flight to catch uh, in Dubai, to, du to Dubai. So we, um, we get back in the road and we drive from Georgia to San Francisco and we make videos along the way. Uh, we make a video about searching for treasure in New Mexico, but I'm cold and tired and I don't wanna be there and you can kinda see that in the way that I'm moving on camera, that I'm unhappy and there's no treasure and it's stupid. Um, in the video, we make, uh, we make a video about the Grand Canyon and we drive, after driving from Santa Fe to Flagstaff without speaking. And we uh, drive all the way through California without making any videos because we argue the entire drive through. Uh, we get to San Francisco, we have our flight to catch to Dubai where we really think like this is it, this is our last chance to really go viral. And uh, on the morning of our flight to Dubai, I wake up and uh, I go for a walk in the morning by myself and all I can think on that walk is the very last thing in the world that I want to do is fly to Dubai with my boyfriend. And so I, I come back to the place and I tell him, I say, I'm, I'm not going, I don't wanna go. I purposefully miss my flight to Dubai and instead I fly home to be with my family for Thanksgiving. And just like that, Stories from the Road is over, almost. Um, we post 12 more videos to our shared YouTube channel while living in different cities across the country from each other. My boyfriend posts four more videos to our shared YouTube channel after we've broken up. It's a channel that just keeps on giving. Um, but our viewers would never know any of this. They also wouldn't know that I'm no longer in touch with my former YouTube co-star. Because the thing is, they never really knew anything at all. We were lying, we were pretending, we were playing make-believe uh, to go viral. And uh, because we didn't want them to know the real story of stories from the road. The real story that was about two people, completely lost career-wise, whose rental house was sold out from underneath of them, and who just didn't know what else to do. Uh, two people whose relationship was falling apart before the trip even started, and me just never really believing it would ever work. But on the bright side, in our one year of posting 44 videos to our shared YouTube channel, we managed to get an impressive 30 subscribers. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and sometimes I'm one of them because, because even though um, these videos will probably haunt me on YouTube for eternity 
And even though they're completely hiding the truth and concealing what was happening behind the scenes, when I start watching them, I can't stop because even though I was painting the roses red, I was a damn good painter. Thank you. Our guest musician, his name is Esteban Anastasio. now. We're a big crowd. So when I was in junior high, um, we got a Sega Genesis and cable TV. So I started watching a lot of MTV. They kept playing these ads over and over. You, do you remember those black and white ones with Kate Moss and Marky Mark? Um, I was at the mall one day and I was attracted to this t-shirt. It was white and had two black letters on the chest with two words across it. It said, Calvin Klein. 
I had $20, the t-shirt was 20 bucks, so it was meant to be, I purchased it. When I went to school the next day, all the kids had thought I was so cool. I figured out like a trick of not to like feel so isolated anymore because I was so different. That shirt allowed me to cover myself up and not stand out so much in school full of red roses. So I then saved all my allowance and I would beg my dad to take me to the mall and buy me some new clothes all the time. My dad, who is the kindest, most hardest working man I've ever met, he, um, before I was born, he fell in love with a single mother with three very young kids in Laos, a country that was being torn apart with, by political oppression and war. Um, officials in Thailand had told the world that if Laotians had escaped to any other neighboring countries, they would be forcibly sent back, and if they were forced to sent, if they were sent back, they would be shot. Um, with the UN helping with camp bills and Thailand enjoying the praise from the world of their hospitality towards um, refugees, the camps became secure. So Thailand was the answer. My parents had to find a fisherman with a canoe large enough to fit my mom, my dad, my two older sisters, my brother, and my aunt. So in the middle of the night, they gave that Thai fisherman all the gold that they had, and he got them safely across the border. Nine months later, I was born in the Naples Naple base camp. <laughs> so when you're in a refugee camp, um, getting a sponsorship to go to another country is basically a lottery system. We didn't know when our family would be chosen or where we would go for asylum. We, so we just had to wait in the camps all the time. We were there a total of five years. Um, since I was born in camp, there was no documentation about my age or any official paperwork. So in order for kids to go to school, um, you had to reach around your head and touch your other ear like this. <laughs> um, they did that to all the young kids. Uh, my sister said I would reach for hours trying to touch my ear. Could everyone like do that? Are you guys capable? Because yeah, so that means you guys could all go to school in camps. So we could go together. I was never able to touch my ear before we left camp. <laughs> So finally we arrive in America, Pocatello, Idaho. Sounds pretty exotic, right, compared to Thailand? That's where our sponsors are from, so that's where we went. Um, the first day of kindergarten, the only English words I knew was hello and goodbye. Back in the 80s, we didn't have ESL classes, um, so for a couple hours of the day, they would pull me out of class and put me in the room with the special ed kids. I start to feel very vulnerable um, and frustrated because I could not communicate with anybody. Um, so the only thing that I could do with a piece of paper and a pencil was to draw, but that was not um, cool with my family. Um, so when I was seven, I noticed that like on the days that we would go to school, like all the neighborhood kids would be gone for a good portion of the day. So I was curious, I asked where they went the only thing I really understood was they were going to school on Sunday. So I told my parents, hey, should I be going to school on Sunday? They're probably there to like, learn the culture better or I can like, learn the language and get out of these special ed classes. So I asked my neighbors if I could go. My parents were okay with it. They took me to the local um, thrift store, bought me like a white shirt and some slacks. So that's what I wore at these meetings with my flip-flops. Um, <laughs> When I went, like, 
I didn't really know what they were saying, but they always had like candy and like cinnamon rolls and baked goods. So I was like, yeah, I'll totally go. This is cool. I'm down with this. Uh, and then like a couple times a week, they would send over these two guys over to a neighbor's house. They had like crisp white shirts and backpacks. So I would go meet with them and they would try to tell me the words of Jesus Christ, but I didn't know what they were talking about either because I didn't understand the language well enough. <laughs> so when I was eight, the neighbor had dunked me underneath some cold water in front of a room full of strangers I didn't know. It took me a few years before I realized that I was baptized into the Mormon religion. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... So when I figured it out, I stopped going to church, so there's like no more baked goods for me on Sundays. <laughs> um, and junior high, I was like sick and tired of rewriting every single spelling word 10 times over and staying in during recess. Um, and I didn't want to be associated with the other kids that had to do that. So I would study my ass off. I did whatever I had to do to memorize how to spell those words, even if I didn't fully understand what they meant. I started doing really well in school. I brought my grades up. I realized that if I got really good grades, my parents would buy me whatever I wanted, and I could just draw my room all the time. Um, so, I would keep drawing, do whatever I could, but then like, there was other parts of me that I didn't want to come out about. No, it wasn't about my sexuality. I didn't want to come out and tell my parents, I want to be an artist. You know, telling your Asian parents you want to be artists, that would not be acceptable. <laughs> my parents had worked so hard getting us into this country, they like risked their lives. So telling them that, like, no, there's no way. Um, so, yeah, there's, and then there's other parts of myself that I suppress too. Yeah, I didn't want to come out about my sexuality either because I knew I'd be alienated again. So finally, like before my undergrad, I had taught myself how to paint. And then during my undergrad for my communications degree, I um, took a, a upper division art history class called World Arts. I loved it. Um, I got familiar with the faculty in the art department and I had shown one of the painting instructors my artwork, and she said that she would waive the prereqs for me to put me in an intermediate, intermediate class because she thought I had potential. I knew that if I did this, I had to really excel in my academics, so I became the communications director's intern. I um, never got below a 3.8 GPA. I was always on a dean's list. Um, and so then I was able to do my art, and my art started taking off. Um, I was winning awards, I was getting money for school, um, and then my teacher, she um, wanted me to have a senior art show, which was uncommon because I was not an art um, major. So I agreed, and then I was published in the local newspaper. The Idaho State Journal, um, asked if they can interview me for an article because I had won so many awards from the undergrad show. I was like, sure, why not? My parents don't read the newspaper. They're not gonna find out. <laughs> but a neighbor had dropped off a copy on my parents' doorsteps. <laughs> so I went to my parents' house one day to do laundry. And my dad approached me, he's like, what is this? Is, this is not what we sent you to school for. So I had to invite them to my art show. Inviting my parents to my senior show was like 
one of the hardest things I ever had to do. It was like coming out all over again. Um, my parents, when they showed up, my dad was very skeptical at first. Um, but after he saw all the, how much time I spent on my paintings, um, what hard work I put into it, all the support I had from my friends, my professors, and the community, he gave me a hug and he told me he was proud of me. So, That was the first time in my life that I felt like it was okay to be myself. I no longer need any more red paint. I didn't really need any more silly Calvin Klein shirts. <laughs> There's something else that I want to share with everyone here. Um, a lot of the paintings here in the gallery are mine. Um, every single one of my pieces shows a state of vulnerability. I'm having a really hard time sharing this story with everybody right now because I feel very vulnerable. <laughs> but instead of using it as a weakness, it's, I'm going to have it as a strength. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And thank you to our season sponsor, Over 19 Adult Shop, and the Painting the Roses Red show sponsor, Sue Dahlgren of Group One Sotheby's International Realty in Boise. The Story Story Late Night theme song is by Ned Evett, with podcast production by Stephen Baldessari, featuring live music from Esteban Anastasio. Support this storied program, find upcoming shows, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on SoundCloud, Facebook, and YouTube at Story Story Night. You can submit to be a featured storyteller by writing story at storystorynight.org. Find our full archive of podcasts at soundcloud.com backslash storystorynight. Oh,